Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Charles is not here today, but I do have a very special guest, Mr. Mikkel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show. Mikkel, how are you doing today? Good, buddy. It's been a while since we've talked. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast. We're very happy to be back. And uh, yeah, lots of uh, success and lots of great episodes you guys have been doing. So that's amazing. We were just talking beforehand, just so everyone knows. Uh, he's been on the show before. It was episode 330, but we have done 426 episodes actually now since then. So it's it's been quite a bit. Uh, we got a lot to catch up on. Yeah, I would say a world has changed probably a lot <laughs> yeah. since, oh, man. since we talked last time. Now so. I'm interested in what the actual date was that that happened because, yeah, there is a lot of stuff that's very different now since then. Um, where are you, by the way? That's always a good question to start with. I'm in Panama today. In two days, I'm flying back to Europe. I've got meetings, so I go to Turkey, Rome, Cyprus, and Lebanon for three, four weeks, something like that. So I'll be back on the road. So we're recording this right before I hit the road again. So you, obvious answer here, but you must really like traveling. I do. Actually, after 22 years, I still think it's the best thing you can do with your life. I still get a huge kick out of it. And I never, ever, ever get tired of it. What's like the most stressful part about that you just don't look forward to? Oh, well, it's all this horse shit now with the QR codes and these declarations and masks. And I mean, it used to be so easy. I started traveling before 9-11. So it was just it was so easy and so straightforward. Then that changed a lot of things and it's progressively gotten worse. And since COVID-1984, it's just <laughs> it's gotten 10 times even more worse. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't traveled since this whole thing happened, and uh, my family's trying to get me to go on a trip, and the place requires that you be vaccinated. I haven't done that yet, and you know they're all mad at me. I don't want to bring that up for for everyone, but the expat money show. We got this whole expat lifestyle going on for the people who have no clue what the heck we're talking about. Uh, let everyone know what exactly it is that you do different from what everyone else does. Sure. So yes, I've got a podcast. It's called the Expat Money Show. We're on. Stitcher Radio and Google Podcasts and all of that kind of stuff. But that's not the business. The business that I run is a consulting firm helping people to move offshore, helping people to be expats. So you can really think of it like this. Uh, expat is the lifestyle. It's, it's where you live and where you call home. And offshore is kind of the financial side of things. So really what we're dealing with is the tax issues. We're dealing with the immigration issues, the structuring, the banking, all the practical aspects of leaving your country of birth or your home and relocating you somewhere else. And this can be you yourself as in your physical person, but it can also be your business or your wealth or your assets or anything like this. So that's really the business. So, I mean, if people go to expatmoney.com, you kind of figure out a lot of the stuff that we do. We got articles and we've got summits and we've got webinars and everything like that. But the main business is one-on-one -on -one helping people through this process because it does get complicated. There's a lot of moving pieces. Well, so can you be an expat and I'm sorry, this is a dumb question, but can you be an expat and still like uh, be home? 
So usually what we talk about when we're ha- when we're talking about an expat is someone who lives overseas. So they live outside of the country of birth. Now, the big difference between an expat and an immigrant is an immigrant is moving to the country and that's it. Like they have full intention of spending the rest of their life there. They're not going to do anything else. An expat might come for like a year or two years or even five or 10 years, but they'll either go home at the end of it or on to the next country like I've done. I've lived in nine different countries in the last 22 years and been traveling nonstop every time. But, um, you know, being an expat, I think, is as much as anything as a state of mind and a way that you're looking at the world. So, yeah, we have lots of people who go back and forth to the States or or Canada or anywhere in the world. Uh, they might have a kind of a plan B set up where they'll have a home and a residency, a passport and a bank account offshore. And they'll be an expat for six months of the year. But then six months of the year, they'll be back in the States and hanging out with their family or something. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm one thing I want to know, you said 22 years you've been doing this, right? Yeah. So I started as a teenager and still going today. <laughs> where did you come from originally and why did you decide to start doing this? So I started traveling internationally as a teenager. I was born and raised in southwestern Ontario. And like we probably talked about in my last episode, uh, I dropped out of school when I was really young. I uh, I won't go into the whole story because there's I mean, you go back and listen to the last episode or, you know, any one of the hundreds of episodes I've been on another uh, podcast. But basically, in a nutshell, um, I knew that government run schools and traditional education was uh, fraudulent and abusive. And uh, I decided to peacefully remove myself from the situation at 12 and I stopped going and I officially dropped out at 15 and I started traveling internationally right after that year or so after that and really fell in love with this type of lifestyle and exploring the world and it got my education from doing things you know fancy that like instead of just reading about it in a book i went out there and i tried things and i experimented and i made lots of mistakes and i spent a long time figuring this out and this is not to say that i don't love books actually i'm a voracious reader and i love to read but what i read are books by real human beings who have done real things in their life and they've documented the process. So that is very, very different than reading a textbook in school in this rote memorization of going through things. And add to that, I've had a lot of time with lawyers and accountants and CPAs and bankers who are really dear friends of mine. I've worked with gentlemen who are 20, 30 years older than me and they've been generous with their time and mentored me through things over the last couple of decades. And that's how I figured out how to put all of this together. So I really created my business and this, not the space, but my business and how I help people from scratch based on my experiences. Now, I don't know how much of this we covered in the last episode, but it it was a pretty long time ago. You said at 12, you removed yourself from that situation. How did that happen? What did you read something that made you think this way or how did you escape this indoctrination camp that, that everyone else was in Nate, at 12? I was a willful child and I, I'm a willful adult now. So, I mean, I hated school and I didn't want to go anymore, which means I basically have always done what I wanted. As long as I wasn't hurting people, I didn't ever see a problem with this. So I stopped going to school and there wasn't really a lot my parents could do to stop me. And I mean, I would 
lie. I would hide behind the couch. I would pretend to go to school. I would cut class. I would do anything and everything to make sure that I was doing anything else. And I wasn't hurting anyone else and it had nothing to do with them. And, you know, I, I understand my folks at the time thought, you know, this is the worst possible thing that I could do with my life. Now I'm very proud of myself for dropping out. And I would like to think my parents are as well. You know, I, I run a seven figure business. I help a lot of people, you know, ethics are the forefront of everything that I do. Uh, I have a beautiful family. I've got two gorgeous kids, you know, good life. And I didn't need public education in any shape or form to do that. So you were born with some form of like genetic libertarianism <laughs> is, is what yeah, I'm hearing. So I think what it was, was, um, so I was, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. So I had dyslexia when I was a kid in 1980s, they really didn't understand this kind of stuff. And so, you know, they really just told me there was something wrong with me and I just got picked on and in fights and things like that. And I just thought, this is not for me. And I wanted to do something completely different. I've always been different than anyone else around me. But I, I would like to say that my libertarian journey started when I was 12 years old. Um, you know, looking back now, I can connect the dots at that time. Did I have any idea? Hell no, I had no idea. I was a scared, stupid little kid. But I knew the difference between right and wrong. And I could, I could tell what was going on and uh, made choices that fit my values because of that. Are you in your business and, and what you're doing, say, with the uh, with the podcast and then with the consulting, or is your main concern, are you trying to con convert people like me into wanting to be an expat, or is it to help people who are already predisposed to that, that already want to do that? Which one of those would you say is the, the biggest goal there? So it's a good question because, you know, up until... What has it been now? 26 months or something like that, that we've been going through this horseshit. Yeah, I had to do a little bit of convincing and really showcase the reasons why, you know, offshore strategies and expat living and tax mitigation, why these things were so important. Now I don't need to. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I'm not trying to be arrogant whatsoever. I'm, I'm actually a really down to earth guy, but um, like I told you so, like I really, like I really told you so, you know, this, these are prime examples of why these things are so important. And I wish that it wasn't the case. Actually, I would give all the money back. I would change all of this if I could reverse the government intervention over the last two years, but that's not reality. And the reality is totalitarianism is on the rise and we have to do something about it. And I don't think that this will be here forever, but I think the name of the game is to protect ourselves for as long as possible and don't let them ruin our lives. And the best vehicle I know how to do that with is going offshore and being an expat. And we have real freedom down here. I mean, we're really making big differences in people's lives every single day. And I wake up, I am so stoked to help starve the beast and help people out. I, I know it sounds so cliche, but Nate, I jump out of bed. I'm so stoked to do this work. It's like, it's fantastic, you know? It's great to actually have something that you care about and that gives you meaning. You know, a lot of people don't have that. They don't realize how important it is. I feel the same way, even though I have to come in here and read the U.S., 
news every single day, but I, <laughs> I, I wake up at four thirty and I'm and I'm just ready to go, and I voluntarily come into the office and I start reading news and putting podcast notes together and all that. And, and you know, how important is that to you that you actually love what you're doing? Definitely, definitely. And I think that there's so many pieces of the puzzle on driving and and helping progress libertarian values. Uh, I think it's incredibly important work. The work that I focus on is specifically the practical side of things. I don't talk about the philosophical side. I would like to think that people really know and understand this already. And there's amazing other programs like your program who talk about the news and talk about the values and things like that. You know, on my program and in my consulting and in my newsletter, I don't worry about that. What I worry about is really the practical steps that people can have more freedom in their life today. That's it. You know, if that's something that is interesting to you, then you will love my work. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Something you said earlier was starve the beast. And that's something that will really speak to a lot of libertarians. Like, hey, you you hate what the government is doing with all your tax dollars. Maybe you disagree with the wars. Uh, you don't you don't like what they're doing with it. OK, don't give them your money anymore. And here's a legal mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. to do it. I was on a call. I was on a group call a few days ago, and uh, Walter Block was one of the attendees on the call. It's just a few of us guys. And uh, after probably half an hour or something like that, he left. He said, "I love the work that you are guys. You guys are doing. However, I focus on the philosophical side and the ideas, and the practical side. I don't know anything about, and it's not what I do." So he excused himself from the call, and I was like, "He's right. I mean, <laughs> who am I to compete against Walter Block?" on the theoretical sides and the value streams for libertarianism. I mean, he's a giant. He is a giant thinker, and I have absolute, complete respect for the man. But that's not the work that I do. You know, I I just do a really different type of work. It is nice that you got that kind of honest response from him, you know, where where he didn't want to, I guess, spend any more of his time or your time or anything like that. And that's good to have to know that he's that kind of an honest guy. Um, some of the, so I've thought a lot about this expat thing and I always have these roadblocks that come up in mind and I know what mine are. And when I think about doing it, what are some of the most common ones that you hear from people when they're thinking about doing uh, switching to being an expat? You know, I used to get a lot more objections come up, um, pre two years ago, pre COVID, uh, you know, a lot of people would be worried, you know, about safety issues or, you know, missing their family or anything like that. I don't really get any objections anymore. People, you know, the the only objections are like, that's going to take too long or like, I want to do this now or, you know, we need six months to do this. I'm worried that the dollar is going to collapse on Tuesday and I need to be out of the country and have everything changed. So that's the biggest thing. Like people do need to understand that going through this can take a lot of work. It's a lot of paperwork. Um, You know, in most cases, not something you would ever want to do yourself. The chances of making a mistake are very, very high. And the consequences can be huge, not just from a financial side, but from a taxation side, you can actually put yourself in a worse situation if you don't know what you're doing. Um, But, you know, I get on a private call with a client and I take on a max of five clients a month. And, um, you know, we're just working through things one by one. We're starting with residencies, going on to citizenship, looking at restructuring businesses, the tax implications, et cetera, et cetera. And there's very little objection to any of it. It's just like, okay, picking the best path, 
now making it happen and working through it step by step. The, you know, my biggest one definitely comes down to the, the family side, which I'm sure is one you've heard a lot, like the idea of leaving. And then you also have the sense of, do you still have the sense of uh, on, Ontario being your, your home? Does that feel oh, like God, home? No. No. God, no. Okay. So how long does it I take for that to go away? I left in the year 2000. So you can imagine how separated I am from Southwestern Ontario. Yeah. I mean, I've spent more of my life as an expat than I have living back in Canada. Um, yeah, family is a big deal, but there's ways to mitigate that. Like I met my wife overseas. My um, my daughter was born in the Middle East. My son was born in Brazil. Uh, I've had my mom traveling with us for the last five years. She helps take care of the kids. Uh, my brother moved away. He's still in Canada, but he's on the other side of Canada. So even if I was in Ontario, I wouldn't see him anyways. My dad retired to a small town outside of where we grew up. So everybody's spread out anyways. So it doesn't really matter from that front. We're actually seeing more and more families move overseas together. And it can be obviously parents and kids, but it can also be grandparents. It can be siblings. Um, you know, a lot of people just want to get out. You know, they want out of this situation, what's happening back home. So uh, so those are some of the the roadblocks people might see. But I imagine there's also a lot of benefits as well. One of them being maybe you're not just bombarded with all of this crazy news that I'm bombarded with every single day, although I'm sure you, you still are. By the way, do you still pay attention to the news uh, back home or U.S. or anything like that? Very, very little. Um, it doesn't have a big impact on my life anymore. I mean, I hear things what are going on and, you know, my clients will tell me their fears and their worries and those types of things, but I don't follow mainstream media at all. I know that there's really terrible things happening in the world and I am so focused on defending ourselves that I'm not worried about what they're doing on a daily basis. You know, I, I don't know if that makes sense or mm -hmm. not. But I'm not trying. I don't. I don't try to follow every little thing that the technocrats or, I mean, whomever you think is 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 playing this or big pharma or whatever. You know, I'm not worried about every little move that they make. I'm trying to find practical ways that people can have more freedom in their life. I want to reduce anxiety and stress, not add to it or pile on. You know. Well, that's a major benefit right there is all the stress of dealing with this news. And of course, all of the stuff that we're dealing with on a daily basis, that doesn't all affect you. Um, now, you're in Panama. And one thing real quick, because I guess we had already had COVID was, I assume, that had already happened after the, after the last time that we talked, I'm sure. And did it get pretty crazy there? Panama did get pretty crazy. Uh, as soon as it did, my wife and I got a, a flight down to Brazil. We spent six months living in Brazil. So we escaped most of the craziest. I didn't have to deal with a lot of it. Um, you know, Brazil was really wide open, especially where we were in Florianopolis. It's like a small island off the coast in Santa, Santa Catarina. It's a province in the south of Brazil. It's just so gorgeous there. No one gave a shit about masks or COVID or anything. And that's where we hung out. And we actually did birth tourism. So my wife put on a very big sweater and we flew down to Brazil <laughs> and pretended like she was not pregnant. And we went in about two months before the baby was due. And we, um, 
we gave birth in Brazil. And what that did was allow our child to automatically become a Brazilian citizen, as well as other citizenships and, and, and a Canadian citizenship. But also uh, for my wife and I to apply for our permanent residency under what's called the family reunification visa. So now we are able to get our permanent residency in Brazil and can live there full time or as little or whatever we want. So it's another good way into a country and uh it was an adventure and it was fun that's another strategy that i just hadn't heard of before birth tourism yeah we'd done it before actually it was funny i was writing about it i published a book in 2018 and i wrote about it in the book and i'd completely forgotten about it and um you know I didn't announce to my list or to my audience until after the baby was born that my wife was pregnant. But when I did, some of my subscribers sent me screenshots or pictures of that page. And they're like, holy shit, he actually doing it. He, he talks about it, but he's actually doing it. I'm like, yes, I'm really testing things. I'm really out here every day trying things. I am not an armchair traveler. I'm not doing this just from the comfort of my home or speculating on things. I'm really out there trying it and seeing if it works. And so is that one of the things that you recommend or talk to your clients about, I guess? I've... Well, I mean, I would never make a recommendation to anybody without knowing their individual situation. So like, I can't really answer a broad statement like that. Everyone I work with has really unique things, but it is an option for a lot of people. I mean, Brazil's a gorgeous country. There's actually lots of countries you can do birth tourism in. I really like it because the length of stay that I need to stay on the ground to go from a permanent residency to citizenship in Brazil, if I go this route through the family reunification, is only two years. So the naturalization process, which is what we call living in a country for a certain amount of time and going for your citizenship or passport, um, is usually like five years, uh, can be as much as 20 years. But if you go this route, it's only two. So it's kind of a I mean, not a secret, but I mean, a very not well-known or understanding, understood way of gaming the system and uh, and getting another passport. And Brazilian passports, very valuable. I mean, really, really strong passport. So uh, we got it for pretty much free. So <laughs> I like that. Nice. Now, I wanted to get into a little bit of this, uh, the online summit uh, thing that's coming up and some of the stuff that's going to be covered in this. When is that? Is that in November? I think? Correct. November 7th to 11th. We're doing an online summit. We've got, I think, close to 40 speakers confirmed now. It's going to go on for five days. So full, full, full days. And uh, we'll be talking about, okay, the tax situation, of course, second res residencies, how to get another passport, uh, real estate, precious metals, crypto, using crypto for privacy, regaining a lot of your privacy and, and adding stability to your life through different type of financial ways, uh, financial means. Um, I'm pretty stoked about it. We are expecting 30,000 attendees. That's the goal, 30,000 attendees. And the nicest thing is, the best thing is, um, registration is free. Tickets are free. I'm not charging anything for it. Now, if you guys want to get like a whole bunch of bonuses and, you know, upgrade your ticket and get, you know, the transcripts and a whole bunch of other things that we're doing, then there is a VIP option, which is paid. But if you just want to check it out and see what it's like, then you can register for free. And all you need to do is go to 
uh, expatmoneysummit.com. You'll see you just you buy a ticket, quote unquote, but you buy a free ticket. You just have to go through the process, register, and um, it's going to be good. I'm really excited about it. It's going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Now, are, okay, so let's say there's people who think that this is really cool, but they're not really ready to do it yet. Are there things that you can take take steps towards doing when you you don't plan on leaving? Let's say I don't plan on leaving uh, the U.S. here for a while, but I'm, I'm really interested in this. Are there still valuable things that I can learn from something like that, that summit? Oh, definitely. I mean, all of my clients fall into one of two buckets. So the first one is the people who are done, like they are just flat out done. They, they want to leave. It's capital flight. We're moving their wealth offshore, everything, you know, one way ticket and they're not headed back. That's one bucket. The other bucket is the people who are you know, plan B, want to have a home set up overseas, want the legal uh, right to live and work in another country, maybe have another passport, maybe have an offshore bank account or structure their company in a different jurisdiction so they get access to funds or, or options that they wouldn't get access to in their home country. Um, and they want all of that set up. So if they have their breaking point, if they get to that point where it's like enough is enough, you know, I can't take this anymore or things get even worse then they can actuate the plan. You know, they can actually move to the country. They can use the passport. They have everything set up. Um, so it's kind of like a 50-50. So even the people who are, you know, not wanting to leave right now, there's still a ton of value from doing these types of things. And you can kind of think of it like political insurance. Yeah, it's it's like insurance, but like from a political side. But Nate, you know, all insurance kind of works the same way. I mean, if your house burns down tomorrow, you can't, or if your house burns down today, you can't run out tomorrow and buy fire insurance. You know, if you get in an accident, you can't call and try to register for car insurance. I mean, it's got to be done before the things happen. So the plan B really works like that. You need the things set up today so that, you know, in a month, in a year, in five years, Whenever you need it, it's already in place. You know, you can't go backwards. You can only go forward. It's like having, a, sense? Like having a storm shelter or something like that. You know, if I, if I see yeah, a tornado man. rolling down the hill right there, that's not the time to start building a storm shelter. It's a little yeah, bit too late. you can't start digging now. It's, it's way too late. So that's what we're seeing. You know, it's that 50-50. And I'm, I have found over the last two years that people have different breaking points. For some people, it was COVID. For other people, it was forced vaccines. Other people, it was masks. For some people, it was the freedom trucker convoy. Other people, it was the war in Ukraine. Now it's the diesel shortages in the U.S. It's currency being devalued at an alarming rate. It's whatever the next v disease that their virus that they're planning on releasing on the population, you know, next. I mean, I have no idea. Everybody has something, though, where it's like, all right, this is too much. You know, these people are never going to stop and I need to do something about it. My suggestion is start working on things now. Like you really have to start now. Don't put it off for another day, another minute. I mean, if you guys go to expatmoney.com, you'll find a ton of free resources there. You can sign up for my newsletter. we got articles. Or you go to expatmoneysummit.com, get a free ticket to come see the summit, learn more about what I'm talking about, make a decision if it's right for you. Even just a couple of small things that you put into your life can have tremendous results. 
Well, I mean, that's a pretty good, that was a pretty good sales pitch right there for sure. But I want to make sure I do my best, you know, I (laughs) I have an obligation here to make sure I motivate as many people as possible because I believe in it so much. Real quick, um, because we got a lot of podcast listeners here. I mean, what kind of content can you get on the, on your podcast stream? Sure. So my podcast has been going for six years now. We're about to hit 200 episodes. I do a weekly show. I'm not as much of an animal as you are with how many, how many guys are you guys doing now? Is it uh, daily? We do. We do it daily. Sometimes, sometimes we'll miss a day here and there, but it's, it's every day of the week. Yeah. You guys are amazing. That's a, Thank so you. much dedication and so much hard work. I hope everybody listening really appreciates that because I know how much hard work it is putting, putting on a podcast. So on my show, we, we definitely talk about immigration. We talk about the different countries that are out there, the strengths, the weaknesses, the good, bad, and the ugly. We deal with tax issues, the financial issues. We talk about entrepreneurship. I still think that entrepreneurship is one of the greatest things you can do with your life. Building a business, solving problems, helping people. Uh, if it can be done online, then even better. You know, Having your income from coming from multiple sources gives you a ton of freedom. Uh, we talk about precious metals. It's it's pretty eclectic, our our interviews. We even did one on 3D printed guns, which I thought was so awesome. And I had a guy named, uh, his nickname is the 3D print general, Sean Arena, <laughs> Arena. And awesome interview, you know, talking about that. And we talked about the consequences for doing it overseas and how you do that and uh, owning guns overseas. Like I was able to purchase firearms here in Panama. So, you know, that can be done overseas. So lots of like random things that people wouldn't normally talk about. Uh, we certainly talk about on my show. <laughs> That's great. And it, if you, I just want to say now, if you, if you have time and we, and we, uh, we want to give an update, you know, mine, it'd be cool to have you back on before this summit too, just to remind everyone about it, uh, that they need to go uh, sign up and, and do this for free. I mean, we say that there isn't any such, nothing's free, right? But this is actually something you could sign up for and you're not going to charge them anything. So, I mean, hey, here, we found one thing. We found one yep. thing that's free. I would love to come back. I think that you run an excellent program and I want to share it with as many people as possible. I mean, this is my mission and purpose in life is to make sure that I'm starving the beast at every opportunity. And, uh, you know, I put out quality work. I work my ass off for it. And, you know, it's great. You sign up for free. If it's for you, cool. Then you can upgrade a ticket. If it's not for you, then no problem. I mean, you will have learned a couple of things and no harm, no foul. All right, Mikhail, we appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in and all the great content that you're putting out and uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, man. 